one of the ancient stories about St. John was that he alone of all the apostles lived to be an old man. All others fell to violent, very violent deaths. Uh, Jerome is the one that is the historian that passes along many of these stories to us. And as he reflects on the life of, of precious St. John, one of the things that he conjectures is that he reached the age where he was not able to walk to church any longer. And so people had to pick him up. Family and friends had to actually tote him to church. And when he would arrive at church, he had but one sermon that he would preach over and over again, which was from the very words of Christ, my little children love one another. Can you picture that in your mind? John giving his life to this one message over and over until finally he was at home with God. Love is a bridge for the gap between where we are and where others may be. Particularly, it is a bridge for the gap between us and those who have been distanced from the church. Over these past six weeks, we have been considering when Christians get it wrong. Well, I don't want to just simply put the blame of that on you all, myself included, um, as if it is something that our culture has invented. This has been a struggle across the ages of the church to get it right. Now, what would be most unfortunate is if you and I did not see this as a part of our role. Not simply that we as individuals are called to grow in the love of Christ, to become sanctified followers of Christ. That's what the word technically is about, is our growing in Christ. But if somehow we did not perceive that churches also have this important path, this journey to be on, that leads us to a closer walk with Christ, a better understanding of what that means. Or it may be that you've thought to yourself, well, it's not the church that has it wrong, it's just me as an individual that I've got it wrong. No, churches as a whole have their character flaws. And you and I are called in this day and age to be aware enough of the culture into which Christ has planted us to be the ones that help the church to get it right now. We have considered how we get it wrong by judging others by condemning people, by rejecting 
science outright as something that is in opposition to faith by injecting politics into the life of the church as if to suggest that if you do not have certain political leanings that you really are not a follower of Christ. All of these ways of thinking and acting damage the church, damage the work that Christ seeks to accomplish through us. Now, in these words, we find very simple instructions. If we love one another, then God lives in us. I've never served a congregation that hasn't considered itself a very welcoming group of folk. I haven't. You may be saying to yourself, well, I know that Pittman Park is a friendlier place than other congregations, but you're wrong, okay? Not that Pittman Park isn't way up here in my estimation, but every congregation that I have ever served across the course of my ministry, everyone has thought of itself as being a friendly and welcoming place. Now, what's going on with this? Because as we, United Methodist, continue to meet and analyze our meeting and our gathering of people, there is one thing that is evident that we are reminded of every time particularly pastors get together, the district superintendents and the bishop remind us that we are an ever-shrinking number. Why could that be the case if we are the friendliest people that have ever been invented? Why could that be the case? It's something that is confusing. People knowing who we are, wouldn't they know how accepting we would be? I learned of a pastor who was asked to come to a large church in Atlanta to preach a four-day revival sort of meeting. And so he went, his wife went along with him, and they were there for four nights. He recounts that he remembered during the evening worship services where he was preaching that they would have this time of fellowship, um, this time of greeting. And he said it was a wild sort of thing because people would come from across the room to greet somebody that they wanted to speak to. Not unlike what we do here, right? I mean, when we pass the peace of the Lord, uh, you... You, you never know how long it's going to take to get everybody back down in place, right? And this church was celebrating in that way. He, he said that even when he was sitting 
at the front of the church and one of the pulpit chairs that a lady came up and gave him a big smack on the cheek, just kissed him, you know, just kissed him there. And, and he said he was just taken aback by it all. At the end of the four nights together, the pastor of the church um, asked if uh, this guest preacher and his wife might go for a cup of coffee. And so they were sitting at the table and, and the pastor of the church reflected, isn't this just the most loving church you've ever seen? It's just the most family-oriented church. It's just so loving. And, and the guest preacher's wife, who was seated across the table, said, well, I don't think so. And the pastor said, what do you mean you don't think so? We had all of this greeting going on. She said, but no one ever spoke to me. She said, and I never missed a service. And the pastor said, but they didn't know who you were. As if that explains things, you know. You and I have our work cut out for us. You may think of yourselves, we may think of ourselves as being a very friendly sort, but to whom are we being friendly? Who is included in the circle of that friendship? There is a gospel song that has become quite popular popular these days. That goes, the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. Have y'all heard this before? The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. So easy, so easy. It's, it's a great song, isn't it? It would be even greater if it were true. <laughs> it is not easy. It is not easy what Christ is calling us to do. It is not easy for us to look beyond ourselves into the lives of those to whom Christ calls us to reconnect with God's love. We must break through the barriers and pray that the Spirit intercedes for us. This is what John is getting at. He says, beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And Lord knows we need his spirit's help with this. If we love one another, God lives in us. Testing Jesus was this common game when he walked the streets of Israel. There were Pharisees and scribes, lawyers that were always testing him on some component of truth. One lawyer came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this guy was as faithful as he could be 
it seemed, to the Torah by everyone's estimation. And so Jesus turned the question, being the better lawyer, (laughs) he turned the question back on him and he said, well, what do you read in the scripture? How is it that you see it? How is it that you read it? So you give me the answer that you're asking me to give you. And so the man just immediately told him what Jesus had been saying all along in his ministry. Well, the first commandment, the Shema, is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's another like it. You know, he he robs Jesus of the chance to share this himself because he's the one that made the connection between that little verse in Leviticus and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so this lawyer quotes Jesus to Jesus. (laughs) Boy, won't that shut down things? But then he leaves himself open because he asks another question. And he says, so who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gives that great parable. And you know this. We don't need to recount it here. You know that great parable of the Good Samaritan who this man is by the road who has been beaten down by robbers and two very fine church folk come by and do not let their shadow fall on him for fear of of whatever, you know, is going to be bad for them. And yet this foreigner, this this guy who certainly could not have the love of God in him. Anybody who knows Samaritans would know that. This this mixed breed of a guy, he's the one that stoops over, cares for the guy, takes buku money out of his pockets in order to pay for his hospitalization in the hotel there in town and tells the guy, look after him, I'll come back and check. Just an unbelievable gesture. And so who is the one who has been most neighborly? That's the question that Jesus wants to ask. The lawyer is asking the question, okay, who fits into the realm of those that I really should pay attention to? And I have a feeling that some of you are asking that question this morning. Okay, who is it that I really have to be friendly to in order that the circle of the church might grow, that we might include more people? That's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. The question is, who who can't I be friendly to? Is, Is there anyone that you can't share the love of Christ with non-judgmentally? And what is it that we fear by opening the doors of the church to those who have been distanced? Do we think it's something that God can't handle? I think we would be surprised. Dick Wills, who is a pastor, a United Methodist preacher in 
the Florida conference. He was at Christ United Methodist Church in Fort Lauderdale for a number of years. Uh, he turned bishop and uh, was such a well-respected soul. But he, when he was pastor at Christ United Methodist Church, realized that this um, congregation that was shrinking in size and diminishing in character needed to pray through to a different way of understanding its role and its mission. And so with the help of another fellow that was invited in to come and to teach about prayer, they began to pray together that the Lord would send them people that nobody else wanted. They didn't want a proselyte. They didn't want to gather their church people from other active congregations in Fort Lauderdale. What they began to pray and to ask God to do was to send them people that no one else wanted. You wouldn't believe what Christ United Methodist Church in Fort Lauderdale looks like today. It is larger than it ever thought that it would be because God answered that prayer. Now, it is more diversified as well than it ever thought that it would be. Are we brave enough to pray that kind of prayer? That God would send us those people that nobody else wants. It is a fearsome thing, and that's why it's not easy to move into this kind of unknown. But I tell you this, that if we pray it, if we are sincere in praying it, there is no telling what God can do in this place. Adam Hamilton, who was the one that wrote the book that we've been focusing on, he said that he prays a prayer in the morning that is reflective of that ancient prayer of Israel, the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He says that he prays, Lord, help me to love with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, and with everyone that I will meet today to express your love. In the evenings, he says that he prays, Lord, forgive me where I have not loved you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, and particularly forgive me for those times that I have not shared your love with others. Would you take that prayer on? Would you make that pledge to pray in this way? That God truly 
will put his love into action in us. You remember Jesus got down on his knees during that last supper that he had with his disciples, and he washed their feet, which was astounding that this rabbi would do that, but he had been surprising them all the way along. But he washed their dirty feet, um, taking their dirt onto his hands on the, and the towel that he was using, the basin of water that he was using, taking all of that onto himself. And then he reclined with them there again at table, and he spoke these words. He said, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Now, he was not talking about just the circle of those disciples, those, at this point, those few that were gathered there, but he was talking about the world, their connection with the world around them. He said that you should love one another. By this, everyone will know. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for the world, the world will know. They will know that you are my disciples. And so, let's... Let's get it right. Let's get it right. Let us not persist in doing things that are an injury to the church and to the reputation of Christ. Let's get it right. 